What does your self-talk sound like? Do you find yourself saying things like, I can't do this. I'm a failure. I'm not good enough. I don't deserve this. It's too hard. If any of that sounds familiar, and I'd be willing to bet it probably does, you're going to want to stick around for this episode. We dig into how our self-talk sabotages our sobriety and our lives. And we also talk about all the ways we've learned to flip the script and take back our power, because you really do have the power to choose your thoughts. Welcome to Through the Glass Recovery Podcast, where we believe that connection is the opposite of addiction, vulnerability is the antidote to shame, and that recovery isn't just rewarding, but it's also a lot of fun. We're your hosts, Steve and Julie. Listen as we get together with friends to shed light on the hard things, talk about the other side of addiction, and how we create a life so full, there's no space left for alcohol. If you haven't already, sign up for our weekly newsletter at throughtheglassrecovery.com. You'll get information about our sober support group on Zoom, as well as other tools and materials that you can use to support you in your recovery. There we go. All right. Hey, so welcome, everybody. Today is, uh, as of the recording, today is September 14th, and it is National Sober Day. So I know, you know, we're recording a few weeks early, but anyway, it's nice to be celebrating National Sober Day, recording a podcast with all of you. I am really excited about this group of people. We're going to do our introductions first, as per usual. Let's go ahead and start with Dave. Hey, what's up? I'm Dave. I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. Um, 13 months sober after about just over a 20-year drinking career. I'm excited to be here, and I love connections, so I'm ready for that. And I stayed sober on National Sober Day, so that's cool. You're winning. Way to celebrate. (laughs) Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you so much for being here. It's lovely to see you again. And Dave was um, a guest on a previous episode also. So it's really good to have you back. And next we'll go with Mark. Hey, good afternoon. My name is Mark Efron. I am 46 years old. I live down in Fort Lauderdale, Florida area. Originally from Boston. I'm married with two children. And I've been sober since April 3rd of 2008. I haven't found it necessary to pick up a drink, drug, or do something really stupid in 15 and a half years. Awesome. That's amazing. Amazing. So inspiring. Thanks. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much. Yeah. And last but not least is our (laughs) lovely Karina. Hello, everyone. Hi. Nice to meet you all. And I, of course, I know. Julie and Steve from before, but I'm Karina. I live in Canada, a town called or a city called Edmonton, and I am almost 500 days sober. Awesome. Yeah, that'll happen this Sunday. Ooh, okay, sweet. Right on. Congratulations on that. And I think before I let Julie dive in here, she just did celebrate two days ago, September 12th, two years sober. So congratulations, Julie. Your journey has been phenomenal to watch. And thank you. Awesome. Yeah. So big congratulations to you, Julie, for sure. Woohoo. 
Thank you so much. I appreciate it. It's been an honor to get to share this journey with all of you. So thank you. Well, we asked a question on social media recently. What is the greatest barrier of your recovery? And we had a ton of response and there were so many valid answers. But the one thing that came up more than any other was the struggle with negative self-talk. So many people talked about how they were their own worst enemy in recovery and in the rest of life too. With that in mind, we'd like to talk about negative self-talk this week. What's that been like for you? What kinds of things go through your head when you're experiencing negative self-talk and how have you learned to stop it or work through it? Anyone can go. If you got a thought that you want to fire away, go for it. I think for me, prior to entering rehab, it was a lot of just, I can't, I, I can't get sober or I'm not worthy to be sober and heal or a lot of living in the fear of what I had to face if I decided to enter rehab. But if anything has taught me this past year that I can, I can do hard things and I can grow through things and I can face fears. So it's been, it's been quite the ride and such a great experience to learn that I can do things. I'm with you with the, I can't, right? That's, I think the first thing that I tell myself, and that's not just with recovery. It's, it's with anything that's important to me. That seems to be the first thing that comes back, that comes into my head is I can't do this. And then I think of all of the reasons why. And like, I can be really mean to myself. I am so much better now than I used to be. But like, before I quit drinking, if I was standing over somebody else saying those things to them, like that would be considered emotional abuse, right? I was so mean to myself and the things that I said were were cruel. And yet I didn't really even see anything wrong with it. I didn't even recognize that that wasn't normal or that wasn't okay. And it would, you know, it would always be, you're so stupid. You're such a failure. And I, I just, I said awful things to myself for so long. And I don't think I ever realized that that's not okay and that other people don't necessarily also do that. And that's been a journey in itself just to uncover those and then figure out how to work through them. You just said something that was, um, it just totally sparked my mind, like wholeheartedly, because I can relate to everything I've heard so far. I think negative self-talk, whether you're an alcoholic or drug addict or just a human being is just part of human nature. People want to achieve things. They don't know how to get from point A to point B. They see point B. They talk themselves out of that. The alcoholic, and I'll speak for myself, we go to the extreme, you know, because we're selfish and self-centered and self-seeking. And that's, you know, at least what some of the literature tells us uh, that I believe to be true for me. But what you said was, the way that you spoke to yourself, if you talk to somebody else that way, mm -hmm. that would be considered abuse. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like we have to survive. Like we put down the drink and the drug and then we become this like a survivor's mentality, like one of a victim mentality. Mm -hmm. So when you talk about layers and there's that old adage that we hear uh, in the rooms and on Zoom and when you're talking to people that have been around, there's the layers to the onion. That's a real thing. Mm -hmm. Like right when I right when I thought I got to the middle of my onion and I peeled back all the layers, there's more layers to it. 
You're like, you I know? just started. <laughs> like, I yes, yes. It sometimes it feels so. Like, I I've been challenged with that, and I learned that the story that I tell myself is the most important story. That's the one I'm gonna believe, mm-hmm. and. I have to be real careful because I could sell myself a lie too. Mm-hmm. So having the right people around me to reassure me and validate me and also check in on my progress because my negative self-talk, it can still creep in today, 15 and a half years later. Uh, it doesn't have the power over me like it used to though. Mm-hmm. That is such a profound way of looking at it. Yeah, that's so you have to surround yourself. You know, I was having that conversation this morning, actually, not so much about my negative self-talk because I do have that and I my technique is a little different. But, you know, how do you deal with the the people in your you, you do you have to surround yourself with with that those supportive people. And I have unwittingly just cut off ties with people like, or reduce my, my interaction with the people who are not supportive and they are, I love them. This is family members. I love them very much, but they are not uh, healthy for my, uh, my growth and development in this newfound sobriety because sobriety isn't just stopping to drink. We all know that it's also that uh, personal growth. And uh, so, and the clarity that, that I, I feel Right now, I'm not strong enough to be able to withstand those, those, you know, it's hard enough how we talk to ourselves when you have negative people in your life. You know, they they can kind of sometimes reinforce that message that you tell yourself. And so that's, uh, I really like what what you said there, Mark. That was really uh, very helpful in this moment. (laughs) Thank you. And my, my technique, and I learned it years and years and years ago before I was even uh, an alcoholic. Um, it's just called stop thought. So you just, you can verbally say it to yourself or you just think it and you just redirect. So when you get caught in those, that spinning cycle of, of negative self-talk, you know, to have the, the wherewithal. And of course, when you are sober, that wherewithal is a lot easier to, to tap into than when you're drinking or still in, in active recovery. So yeah, I've I've had to do that because I get lost in thought, and I uh, like if I'm I, I I cycle a lot lately, and I find myself when I'm cycling going through these this this like along with the speed of the the wheel of my my bicycle mm-hmm. <laughs> are these grinding thoughts these you know and yeah so for me I had a, a therapy session many 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 years ago now it would be over thirty years ago just stop thought stop thought and then redirect. And that's been very, and then as you go through recovery, of course, you learn different tools and, and tips and trade and tricks of the trade. So those, it's, it's not as prevalent as it used to be, the negative self-talk. As a matter of fact, now I'm starting to think about, I, I need some humility. This is what I guess it's like, you know, enough positive self-talk that I you know, I, I I said that to my boyfriend this morning. I'm like, you know, I don't want to be perfect, but gosh darn it, if I'm not getting there. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that's amazing! <laughs> I love that. Uh, no, you know, you still need to have a, maybe just not as not as devastating, you know, not as abusive. Yeah, so keep yourself in check. There's. 
I don't know. There's a level of self-awareness there that when before I quit, I didn't have it. I was just a bad person and I was really good at stacking that on top of myself just with my own negative self-talk. And then shortly after I got sober, I think I saw a video somewhere on social media that that said that you don't have to be mean to yourself. And I was like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> like, I don't have to be? Like, I can choose to, like Karina says, redirect the thought. But, you know, something would bad would happen or something. I don't even, sometimes it wasn't even bad. Maybe it just didn't go quite right. And my own worst enemy in that situation was me. And, and then I would perpetrate that in my own head and continue to make it worse than what it was instead of trying to dig out and find the solution. I was just looking for more problems. And every time I continued to look for more problems, I blinded myself to the solution and I couldn't really ever move forward. And this was just me essentially shitting on myself and just, Talk about removing your own sense of self-worth, you know, talking negative to yourself. So I, I, I remember sitting in my office at work and things not going right. And after I heard that, I was like, okay, I, I can train my mind. That's what this thing said. And this was like early sobriety, like one month, two months in. But I was, I'm naturally a, a, a gullible person. So I'm going to believe what you tell me. And I believe what I was told in this video. And that's all it took. And I started every time I had a negative self thought, I would put energy into what can I, what's the opposite of that? What, where can I pull the positive in and, and, and say the opposite. So I would, my natural, my own personal natural reaction built in for protection and survival because I didn't know any different was to take and accept all of the blame for everything and take it personally. And then when I could redirect that and, you know, say, I am good. I am, even if I didn't believe it and trust me, I didn't believe it. But I would say that to myself. So I would try really, really hard, focus that, you know, what's the positive, where's the negative? Because I found the negative. I could find that. It didn't matter what rock I pulled. I could look at the rock and it, it there would be something wrong with it. And so I started, that's, that's, that's how I started was there's a positive somewhere, find it. What's the anti- of the negative thought and then work on that. At least I gave myself a chance to think about, you know, the sun instead of the basement. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think it, you Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead, Mark. No, no, please. By all means. <laughs> I was just going to say, yeah, it's, it's important to acknowledge and uh, sometimes verbalize and put out there into the universe, what you've, what you're feeling in that moment rather than let it be a fleeting thought of I I'm not worthy enough or I'm not good enough. If you acknowledge it and say it out loud, you can kind of break it down. Like, why am I feeling that way? What brought this feeling on? And then try to change that narrative. 
you know, for the, for the better. Um, and I, I think it's important to do that and get out of your own way. You could surround yourself with all the positive people in the world and they can give you all the positive talk, but if you're not going to allow it in, then it's just going to go nowhere, you know? Yeah. I mean, you were talking about, um, Steve, you touched on, and I agree with everything Dave just said, but it's like, wow, you were talking about where, and, and what I say to myself is where the focus goes, energy flows. Mm-hmm. And if I think it and I speak it, then I will create it. And that goes, and you know, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous talks about that too. They talk, uh, well, at least that's, you know, and I'm, I'm comfortable talking about it. It's supposed to be attraction, not promotion, but it's a podcast of people in recovery. So I'll just kind of put that out there, but mm-hmm. you know, they, they talk about that. They talk about expectations. They talk about serenity. They talk about what Karina was talking about, which is emotional sobriety. And if I don't really put the work in on this topic that, that you all have put, you know, put out there, it's a phenomenal topic because I think it's the crux of long lasting sobriety. Like uh, we spend so much time. I spend so much time beating myself into submission other people verbally abusing me, emotionally abusing me. And those things last, they last in our brain. Yeah. I didn't know this stuff until I got into the healthcare space, but I learned that it's called the prefrontal cortex. It's basically the windshield of our brain, you know, and all this trauma and everything and is related in the, and that's how we see things until we don't, till we start to heal and get healthier. And I love the whole, the story that I tell myself, I can always bring it back to that because I can wake up in the mornings, restless, irritable, and discontent, but I've got the tools and the fundamentals now to be able to break through that. What I wasn't prepared for pertaining to this topic was 11 years sober when my ent- I woke up one morning and my entire world was turned upside down and everything that I thought was uh, happy and healthy and loving uh, and pure in my, in my world was not. And I was hit with a level of trauma that I'd never experienced my entire life, let alone try to deal with that sober to Karina's point, emotionally sober. Mm -hmm. And the story, the narrative, (laughs) there was a whole new narrative that I never dealt with in sobriety because I didn't even know it existed in my brain. If that makes sense. I literally woke up one morning punched in the throat, knocked out, lost 30 pounds in six weeks, was suicidal in thought. Wow. Or a drink drink seemed good because the emotional stuff, I didn't want to feel what I was feeling. Mm -hmm. But I had some built-in fundamentals of like, wow, you know, this thing's going to take some work. I got to get some help. I got to see some people. But these narratives and these layers, you know, that Julie mentioned in the beginning, you know, this podcast that stuff is so real. And, and I love talking about it because as long as we're talking about it, we're in the solution. And yes. that's where the negative, mm-hmm. the negative thinking yeah. will bring us so quickly back to a drink. We won't mm-hmm. even see it coming and I'll be the last to know. So, you know, I just want to touch on that because this thing really takes works. It takes vulnerability. It Big takes time. a level of intimacy. Um, but most of all, just self-honesty. You know, if I tell myself I'm a piece of shit over and over and over and over again, like you were talking about, I'm going to convince myself and my body's going to feel it. I'm going to yeah. be punched over. You know, the food I eat isn't going to be good for me. I'm not going to want to work out. 
I'm not going to go to certainly not go to a meeting. You know, why would I go to a meeting if I feel like, you know, a piece of shit? So I guess where I'll close on this thought, like the information that I'm putting into my head is equally as important as the action that I'm trying to take. Yeah. Oh, so that's like music. That's what I'm watching on TV. If I watch TV, the book I read, yeah, uh, I need to protect my sobriety before anything or anyone, before my wife, before my kids, before my work. Yeah. My sobriety is most important to me before anyone and everyone. Now, if I lose that, I lose everything else. So yeah, yeah, that was one thing that I, I think anyone that's in long-term sobriety really understands that it's like, this is the most important thing, but like you touch on there's, there's that negative self-talk being intertwined with emotional sobriety. Like they're almost one in the same and how, if you call yourself that piece of shit, how that just affects everything else. It just seeps in. Right. But there's, there's something to be said for, the action of doing something that helps train your mind that you're doing the right thing when you're doing the right thing, like actually getting up and going and doing something, the actions mean just as much or more of the words when you follow through. What's this, Julie? Keeping your promise to yourself. Yeah. And proving to yourself that you're worth it. You have to believe that you are worth keeping promises to yourself. And you want to talk about the self-talk or even the negative self-talk that sits inside of not meeting a promise that you made to yourself. Yeah. So I realized at some point that a lot of my negative self-talk comes from when I want to change something about myself and I'm not happy with something about myself. That's when the negative self-talk starts. So when I wanted to stop drinking, it was, oh my God, you were such a failure. Why can't you figure this out? How did you let this happen to you? You're such a loser. What's wrong with you? Like those, you know, I would just, I would drown myself in shame. And somehow thought that that was going to motivate me to make the changes that I needed to make, Mm -hmm. right? And I realized then, you know, a year or so into sobriety, I I needed to start losing some of the weight that I gained when I switched my addiction to candy. And so then I was like, (laughs) oh my God. (laughs) Me too. Definitely guilty (laughs) of the candy. Cookies. Cookies. Yeah, I mean, that's a real thing. The sugar addiction is real. But like a year, I, I, I don't know, a year and a half into sobriety, I was like, then I was staring in the mirror. I was like, you are so fat. This is disgusting. How did you let yourself get to this point? Why can't you just stop eating so much junk? And I was like, back to shaming myself into trying to make a change. And I realized at that point, you can't make a lasting change out of shame. A lasting change comes from love. It's not, you're such a loser. It's, I love you and you deserve to feel better about yourself. I Mm -hmm. love you and you deserve to live a sober life that is full of hope and, and happiness. You can't ever affect change by shaming yourself into it. You have to like believe with all your heart that you deserve the good thing and you have to love yourself so much that you want to give that to yourself. And it is so hard to, especially like in early recovery, my self-worth, I don't think it existed. Mm -mm. And so to love myself enough to give me that chance was really hard. 
but as soon as I started, like Steve said, keeping that promise to myself, even one day at a time, that self-worth mm -hmm. started increasing in a hurry. And then I was able to to love myself into lasting change. And I think it's really important to understand that we're never going to change our bad habits. We're never going to make the changes that we want, no matter what they are in our lives, if we're trying to shame ourselves into it. Just like we can't shame someone else into changing, right? That's just not how it works. But that's generally what negative self-talk is, is just a whole big pile of shame. Mm. It's very much a trauma response oftentimes to, you know, whatever our upbringing, whether it was our, our family of origin or, you know, we were bullied in school or a, a romantic relationship where, you know, whatever, whatever situation that you internalize the criticism from others who are probably going through their own struggles with their own self-esteem and they're just, you know, piling it up on you. I heard an analogy the other day because this is part and part and parcel and that's kind of a pun on on what I'm about to share but people come with all kinds of boxes and they have all sorts of things inside their boxes and you do not have to accept those negative boxes you can decline don't sign for delivery just send it <laughs> return to sender and and just putting that image in my head of this box of you know hate or disapproval or criticism or whatever it is because you know people are like again people struggling with their own self-esteem are not going to be the best um partner or the best friend or parent so long as as uh they have that within themselves but you do not have to take those boxes from them so i i, I that's images stuck with me for the last couple of days and uh, I, I really like it. It resonates for me. And so I, I kind of compartmentalize. As I say, I'm going through some family stuff right now, and I'm able to compartmentalize the criticism or the the negative talk that I've internalized. Mm -hmm. And I just, yeah, I'm not, I'm not taking that on. I'm a big cross. I'm a big cross talker. So Perfect. That's what this is all about. This is, yeah, that's why we're here. <laughs> we love cross talk. Yeah. Karina, I apologize in advance, but I do absolutely love your glasses. I have a pair just like oh. them. <laughs> I don't know what you. you're going through. Don't need to know, but you seem rock solid. So oh, I say, you. let him bring Thank it. You. Let him bring it. I mean, if <laughs> seriously, I mean, you know, I deal with it. I deal with family dynamics on a daily basis within my family. You know, whether it's my brother, my two sisters, they're all mature adults but i'm the one you know two ailing parents you know my dad's got dementia and, and alzheimer's he's a young guy and it's nobody prepares you for that and again so there's self-talk that can seep in it's like well you know there could be the better than self-talk well not my siblings you know uh they have higher education than i but i'm more consistent in my family because of my emotional sobriety my wife can drive me. I love her dearly, but she can drive me bananas because I do a lot of work on me. I start my day at 4.15, 4.30 in the morning, every day, like clockwork. Mm -hmm. doesn't make me better or worse or more sober than the next person. But I, I, I'm the point I'm trying to get to is like, every, everything's always going to continue to happen around me. It's like, how strong am I in my heart like Julie was talking about, because I can't win the battle and the heart. 
whether it's mm-hmm. your heart or my own for that matter. I can't win them at the same time. So I just stopped fighting that. It's the same thing when I got sober. It was like, you know, April 3rd, 2008, a few days before that, I was thinking, you know, I was locked up in a motel, peeping out windows. You know, I couldn't drink anymore. I couldn't take any more pills. So I was smoking whatever I was smoking in my pipe. And I was literally full flight from reality. I mean, if all of us on this podcast have gone from that hopeless state of mind to a conversation like this, mm. you know, I, I laugh at it. I'm like, I can't even believe we still have negative self-talk. Look at everything that we've accomplished because our failures is really what's defined who we are. Mm. So whatever my family brings to me, I'm like, bring it. You know, I love them, but I'm like, you guys kind of suck a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> that's the other part but that's the other part about it's so surviving. honest and true though yes yeah. it's honest and true probably for all of us but you know if i'm not being authentically this is my point i don't mean to filibuster because i i tend to do that i get excited when i talk about sobriety and emotional recovery because i spent so many years getting high and drunk and running and hiding yeah. you know and not being happy with who I was and I wanted to be you, Steve, or I wanted to wear a beanie like Dave. Like I wanted to be anybody but me. Mm-hmm. So when mm-hmm. now that I'm sober and I wish I learned this the first few years, I did. Being authentically me mm-hmm. is being the man that God intended me to be. It's the and most fulfilling thing you can do. Yes. Love it. And if our pro if they and if you're doing the deal and you know, the rooms are for everybody. But if if you're doing the deal, the deal says the proper use of our will is to align our will with his. So wherever you guys are at with that, where I'm at with that was I go vertical before I go horizontal every single day. And as long as I'm going vertical and connecting before I go horizontal, there isn't a family member, somebody in the rooms, a, a critic, a hater, uh, you know, somebody in, in at work that could upset me because I'm going vertical. I'm living a spirit-led life. And I wish I heard these words like the first few years of my sobriety. But the guys that I was hanging out with, they weren't really talking like that. Um, That helped me with my positive self-image, the way that I felt, the way I spoke to myself. I realized that I was a child of God, that he loved me perfectly as I was. I mean, I wasn't kidding about the cookies. My wife has a tattoo of a cookie Jay, you know, I would stuff my feelings with Chips Ahoy cookies at 2.30 in the morning, you know, so. It's a lot better than the alternative. And I would cheeseburger. I had cheeseburgers and milkshakes. That was my foray into managing the cravings. Oh, I was laying on you. You might remember, Steve, or julie the 30 days of me just being on my parents couch my parents were away on holiday so i had a chance to kind of do some recovery alone in their living room but my parents are alcoholics and drinkers and they have every known wine and spirit and mixer i could have had my own little party if i chose to i just laid on that couch i didn't get up for 30 days and it was uh, we have a, a food delivery program called Skip the Dishes, and it was cheeseburgers and milkshakes. Thank goodness that's not my uh, go-to anymore. But in the beginning, whatever it takes is 
exactly what you need to do though, yeah. right? I mean, I ate yeah. my weight in Skittles. I, That's I, how I, I coped. I, I was like a, almost a bag of chips a night and whatever gummy bears, cookies, candy. So I, like for me, I needed that sweet and salty and I, and, and I went back and forth from sweet and then salty and then sweet and then salty. So like I would go to Costco and buy the big bags of chips. So I didn't have to just open another bag that night. It was bad, like just whatever, but that's what it took, right? Just kept that... on feeding that what? A big yeah. bag of chips so you didn't have to open another bag. That reminds me of how I used to drink box wine. <laughs> but I didn't have to open another bottle. I, mean, I could just be I mean sorry. That might have I mean like... you're gone for two weeks and if you're a drinker, you're like, I need to make sure I have enough. So you make sure you have it in excess, right? Once an oh, once an addict, always an addict. It, yeah. It just Good old carbordo. Yeah. I was never Oh, go ahead, Dave. Go, Dave. Oh, I was just I was just gonna add, I was never even a sweets person until I was in rehab and I popped open ice cream and I was like, oh my goodness, there it is. You know, I Heaven. found a whole new Yeah, yeah, and I just kept going with it. And you know, recently I've gotten off the ice cream. That's a whole separate meeting and a separate topic, but <laughs> <laughs> but here's yeah. here's a group of people in different parts of the country. Yeah. And we all have the same experience, not only with the alcohol yeah. problem, but also the, the beginning few years, a couple, couple of years where you're just stuffing your feelings and it feels good. And then that triggers the negative self-talk too. It's like, oh shit, like I legit gained 45 pounds my first 13 months of sobriety. Mm. And, and I, I remember my, my wife was like, you know, eventually we get, well, we eventually got married. And then she got pregnant. And when she got pregnant, <clears throat> I said, I'm going to become the healthiest dad for my kids. Oh, good and, for you. Um, yeah. And, and, but, but it took that. So like my wife was getting the belly and I was losing my belly. It was a little weird. <laughs> weight transfer. But it was weight transfer. But, yeah. but, <laughs> but uh, Steve, you said something. It was like, you know, we need to, we need to be able to hear that. It's okay to also go through that. Just like, it's like, Hey, listen, all right. You're in the hole. You're homeless on the street. You can't stop drinking. You oh, you want to get sober? All right, come with us. We're going to show you what we did. You know, we we do these meetings. We do these steps. This is how we do it. You know, we do work, and then we start looking at the emotional stuff. Same thing with the food. And what I've learned, it's like it's all the same. Like I'm either going to live a life filled with recovery and solution, or I'm not. It's either I'm going closer to the drink or further away, and. I lost the power of choice in the end of drinking. I yeah. couldn't know. I didn't, I didn't have that choice. I don't know about anybody else. So when I finally got the power to choose again, I'm like, yeah, all right. What I get to choose. It's I get pretty, to choose how pretty damn empowering when you can start realizing that. Wait a second. I actually get to pick again. Mm -hmm. And, and then relearning all of that stuff. Like what, what is the right way to pick this? How's the right way to react? And then couple that with your negative self-talk. And we're talking about food. Words are food for Ooh. your mind, right? Mm -hmm. It's literally what you hear is what you're ingesting into, into, your, into your noodle. And mm -hmm. one of the things when it came to negative self-talk, because I didn't know how to be kind to myself, 
was hearing good things from other people. I needed to hear that I was a good person, that someone was proud of me, that I was loved, that I was worth it before I could ever be close to believing it or feeling it internally. I needed it to come from outside because I did not know where to dig inside to find it. Mm, yeah. It so had true. to come from yeah. outside first so then I could absorb it and then actually look at it from the like an emotional standpoint point and a self-worth value standpoint. Yes, I actually am. And then start to believe it. But it took a lot of, you want to talk about honesty and vulnerability and connection and validation. It took a ton of that from the outside. And I needed community. Me personally, I needed community to help shove that goodness down my throat so I could reflect <laughs> that back to others. Yeah. yeah. That's a I, good I point. love that. I love that so much. I had no idea 13 months ago when I went into rehab, I just thought, cool, I'm going to stop drinking, hopefully, or do 30 days in rehab. I had no idea that I was going to begin a love affair with recovery and fall in love with it and embrace it. And the bonuses, the community of people that come along with it is just amazing. I, people I've never met, people I meet through social media. I'm sitting here right now on a podcast with two people I've never met, you know, and it's just it's so amazing and it's so beautiful. And it's, it was right there in front of me the whole time until I allowed it in, you know. Dave, you reminded me of this old timer that used to sit in uh, the book of Pines meeting. And he, <clears throat> he used the term romance for recovery. Oh, mm. And he said, Mark, you got you got to have a romance. You got to love this thing. I was like, mm -hmm. what? <laughs> Chuck, what are you talking about? And he would just repeat it. He would just say, you have to have a romance for this thing. Mm -hmm. And it's such a beautiful thought because I didn't know about healthy relationships. Mm -hmm. You know, let alone with myself, with other people. Mm -hmm. That's another negative self-talk thing, too, that can get triggered, too, is when it comes to intimacy. And um, that's another layer, you know, I don't know where anybody is at on that topic, but, you know, the people closest to us, yeah, real or imagined, well, I'll speak for me, the people closest to me, real or imagined, can also have impact in thought because, and I, Karina kind of touched on it, there's like a, a trauma response. There may be stuff that has yet to be addressed, mm -hmm. pop up out of nowhere, and just hit you like a ton of bricks and the negative self-talk can come in, you know, and I can speak personally, like with me and my wife, she'll say things to me that have nothing to do with me and everything to do with her, mm -hmm. but she'll trigger something in me that oh. I didn't even know existed. Talk, took, you're like, Ooh, crap. I took that one personally. Why? Yeah. Huh? yeah. Huh? So yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so I won't even play that game anymore. I can't afford it. No, can't afford it. Won't even. I won't even step in. It's like the uh, send back. To, I'm taking that away. By the way, Karina, just <laughs> turn to sender. Return. <laughs> yep. All set. No, 
No I signature required. You can keep it anyway. I don't. I didn't. Address order. unknown. Yeah, I didn't order that <laughs> Amazon package last night. Yeah, <laughs> Mr. Efron. No, he. That's my dad. He doesn't live here. He moved. <laughs> yeah. Really like that. Well, and and yeah. I just want to briefly touch on because the self, the negative self-talk. The only way I could really get a handle on it too was I know, and I mean, all these things are so um, like you hear it and hear it and hear it, and everybody talks about it. And at some point, you're like, yeah, 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 put it on a Hallmark card, you know. <laughs> but at the same time, they're so true. Is uh, forgiveness like you have to forgive the old you, the version of you that allowed you to let this drinking get away from you. You have to forgive the version of you that hid from your own authentic self because, you know, Julie, you touched on the shame and and you can't have progress without shame and you can't get through the shame unless you're willing to forgive yourself. And you can hopefully what I need to work on, what I'm still working on is forgiving you know, it's it's fine to say return to sender. I would like to get to a place where I don't have to turn people away, that I'm strong enough to be able to withstand their storms, wouldn't we all? But part part of what I need to do for my own recovery is to forgive myself for the person I was and and love that person too. You still have to love the ugly part of you. Well, that was you the gotta- person that found the courage to get you to where you are now. True. Uh, there's just to touch on that. I know we're we're just about out of time, but just to touch on what Karina was saying, mm-hmm. one of the things, and this is actually something that was brought up on a previous episode too, but to me, it's such a powerful tool when it comes to combating negative self-talk, and also when it comes to forgiving the things that we've done. Um, and I can't remember who talked about this, but find a picture of yourself as a little kid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And look at that picture and recognize, like for me, you know, to look at a picture of that little girl and what would I say to her? You know, if I'm, if I have these big dreams and I'm like, you don't deserve that. You're not good enough to do that. There's no way you're going to be successful. What would I say to that little girl if she told me that was her dream? Mm -hmm. There's no way I would tell her she's not good enough and she'll never be successful. And then in the same vein, we can think of that little that that version of ourselves i can think of that little little girl version of julie you know in her little dance outfit and and all of that and i mean i can imagine looking at her and and thinking look at everything she's been through and i can forgive that version of me for the things that i did because i felt like i had to in order to survive right and that little girl learned to put up walls early And that little girl learned how to be somebody she wasn't because she felt like she had to. And it just makes it so much easier to allow myself some compassion when I think of me when I was little and everything that I was going to have to walk through, the the fucking fire that I had to walk through to get to the point that I'm at now. Like, there's a lot more compassion and a lot more grace that I'm able to give myself if I can think about it in those terms. Julie, you touched on something when we opened where you were talking about like the topic and then how do you work your way out of it? Like, how do they go hand in hand? And um, I can remember early on getting peppered with like, well, you did this. I can't believe you did that. You know, things that I did. And I and I called this guy Spike 
Spike had been sober 22 years at the time. He's still a dear friend of mine now. He's a complete lunatic and I love him for it. But he's like, he's like a soldier. He's like, he's in. And he said, Mark, repeat after me. And I've never forgotten this. And this was part of my reprogramming of what Karina was talking about, which is forgiveness. Because it's like, well, you got to forgive yourself. Okay, I, I buy in, but how do I do it? So this is what Spike gave me. Spike said, yep, that's what you did. That's not who you are, and it's not the man you're trying to become. He's like, all right. He's like, no, repeat after me. Not who I, yep, okay, that's not who I'm trying to become. So it was like a reprogramming process, and then it goes hand in hand, and, and I'll finish with this thought of what you just talked about. I just, I wrote it down. I wrote down the word walls because what you were talking about is like, we live behind these walls. How do you know when to put them down? And so for me, I created see-through walls, kind of like a window. Mm -hmm. mm. You know, and sometimes I still do that shit. Like, and then back to the power of choice. I get to press the button. I can bring the wall all the way down. Mm -hmm. I can bring it down just enough so I can put my head over and be like, all right, go ahead. You can tell me what you need to tell me. Yeah. But it's a, it's a way to protect myself because, you know, vulnerability takes a, it takes a, a lot of courage to step in into vulnerability. And yeah. that goes hand in hand. If you ever watch like a Brene Brown, Brene she talks Brown's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. She talks about shame and vulnerability yeah. and stepping in with courage, but a, a, a glass wall allows me to be able to see through what's on the other side and be able to protect me when I need to be protected, put the wall down. All this is like the healthiest. This is a very healthy group of people right now. I may just very well be the sickest on this call. <laughs> oh, Mark, with that, uh, I'm going to wrap things up, but I really love what you said about like, the the glass right and mm -hmm. and being able to see through it and giving it's like giving yourself opportunity that's kind of what and look at now you're wearing the glasses the, you're yeah, wearing yeah. almost karina's glasses they look awesome you guys like, you guys are matching it's yeah. amazing yeah we can <laughs> karina i've got blue ones too oh look at this he's got, and I've got black because today i have options <laughs> amazon baby <laughs> That's awesome. That is awesome. Uh, so for with negative self-talk, right? We talked about us being our own worst enemy. I'm my own worst enemy when it comes to that negative self-talk. Surrounding yourself with supportive people, validating people, honesty and vulnerability, which we just talked about and touched on too, is how that takes courage. Karina, you talked about stopping thought and redirecting it. Mm. Uh, get out of your own way. Sharing those thoughts getting them out. Dave, you mentioned this, get, sharing those thoughts and getting them out. And and so giving them away, giving it to someone else so they could reflect what's good in you still. Because that I know that helped me a ton. Negative self-talk and emotional sobriety are intertwined. The words we hear are food for our brain and our own self-worth, really. So you talked, Karina, you talked about like separating yourself from other people in that negative space until you're strong enough to be able to step back into it. And I think that's mm -hmm. smart and that's super self-aware. Julie, you touched on negative self-talk and shame. You can't make a lasting change based out of shame. It's got to come from love. 
So I want to say thank you, Dave. Thank you, Mark. And thank you, Karina, for your time, for sharing your experiences and your thoughts with us today. I really appreciate you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thanks for letting me uh, participate. Appreciate it. Thanks for being here today, you guys. Thanks for being here. And to our listeners, thank you. We wouldn't be here without you. We'll be back next week with an episode all about FOMO, the fear of missing out. Be sure to like, subscribe, follow, so you don't miss it.